Adam is, is one of our dearest friends. He's our, one of our friends, our mentors. Uh, he helped to, to basically create our culture here through his guidance and teaching and, um, and prophetic words. Um, so he's a really big deal around here. <laughs> and uh, when, when he says things, we tend to listen because he's highly anointed. He brings the word of the Lord. And he consistently has a big part to play in, in shaping our culture and in, in how we move forward as a body. So we're really honored and really blessed to have you here, Adam. And I'm really thrilled to hear what you have to say. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks, Matt. Let's give it up for Matt Orvis because he's big, strong, good looking. <clears throat> Well, my family and I have just really enjoyed being here this weekend. What a time to be alive. You know, this, this season of history that we're in that feels unprecedented. I was thinking during worship, though, um, at, you know, the, the, the formation of the children of Israel. When, when uh, God's people became a nation, when they began being called by his name, when they were gathered unto the, uh, the, the Lord God. And, of course, they were, they were supernaturally delivered from 400 years of slavery in Egypt. And, and part of the catalyst behind their salvation were the release of 12 plagues that, uh, that came against a nation uh, governed by a stubborn leader named Pharaoh who, called Pharaoh who uh, would not let God's people go. And I found it interesting that that in the season that God was redeeming Israel and calling this nation to himself, the, the nation, the people of God were birthed in an atmosphere of pestilence and disease and the plagues that were, that were striking the land in which we lived. And, and so here we are in the 21st century as Western Christians in North America in an atmosphere where there's a virus that's plaguing the nations of the earth. And um, I just think it's in the heart of God that we would find ourselves bound together unto Christ in a new and fresh way, that our identity would be found in him, and that in the same season where there's this great shaking of sorts, that, that God would release um, his spirit in a supernatural way and draw many to himself, that many more would be called by the name of Jesus in this unique moment in human history. So anyway, my wife Jenny has enjoyed being here. This is our first time to Indiana. Hey, woo! I said yesterday, last year, a ministry trip she got to go on with me was, and a team was to, to uh, Hungary, to Budapest, Hungary. And I said, so either you're going to Gas City, Indiana, or you're going to Budapest, but it's all the same, you know? And uh, no, but we've enjoyed being here, um, spending time with, of course, Bill and, and Susie Heth in their home, friends that we've, who we've known for years, as well as Nicholas and Kathy Curtin Johnson. Again, friends that we've been connected to for years. And this morning, hanging out with the birthday boy, Tyler Dressback. Can we give it up for a birthday boy? <laughs> birthday man. I mean, look at that beard on his face. That is a man. As well as Kristen with the baby on the inside. Praise God. Amen. So anyway, um, in a moment, we're going to open the scripture. You might hear me cough a couple times if you weren't here yesterday. I explained yesterday, it's not the coronavirus, it's the tail end of a, of a respiratory infection, which is not contagious. So uh, at any rate, don't be afraid if you want to elbow bump me or fist bump or side, Christian side hug, that's totally chill. So in a moment, we're going to open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 4. 
I don't have any slides this evening, so if you do have a Bible, you can open to Matthew chapter four. We're going to get uh, chapter three, rather. We're going to get there in a minute. I do want to make mention of one resource that's available at the back table after service: New Identity, thirty days of prayer for spiritual transformation. This is a thirty-day devotional workbook on the topic of identity. The message of identity has been a core message of my life because I think at, at central to the message of the gospel is a changed identity. We move from sinners to saints. We, we, we move from slaves to sin to slaves of righteousness. We move to, from enemies of God to being called the children of God. And so core to our experience in Jesus is a changed identity. And if we don't learn to align to the new identity we have in Christ, we will live confused um, Christian lives that are that are miserably less than the fullness of what Jesus purchased on the cross. How many of you know today there's incredible confusion around the topic of identity in our generation? Well, there's nothing, there's nothing better than the Word of God, which the New Testament says is like a, a double-edged sword that's able to divide the thoughts and the intentions of the heart, able to separate between soul and spirit. Get this, it's able to separate that part of us that needs renewal in that part of us that is filled with God. It's able to separate our humanity from the God, Christ, the, 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 the Spirit of God inside of us. And it's able to interrupt the confusion in a generation. So I encourage you, take the new identity journey. Every day unpacks a different identity truth for the believer from Scripture. And then the 30th day, uh, you follow a template to craft your own personal, I call it like a prophetic identity declaration about who you are in Christ. It's based on your own healing journey. You can get that resource at the back table. Today, I like to say right now, hey, if you if we're on quarantine, I've got a 30-day quarantine plan for you, okay? That will wreck your life with God. <clears throat> okay, you can tell I'm running out of breath here, so Lord, help me in Jesus' name. <sighs> Amen. 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 Well, as I mentioned, um, core to the message of my life has been a message of identity because I believe identity is a core message to the gospel. It's not a peripheral issue. It's not like one of these issues that we, we divide over. It's like core and central to what Jesus has accomplished on the cross. Um, simply put, the, the, uh, our identity is, has to do with God's definition of me. Identity is this, God's definition of me. Too often we spend, perhaps even the better part of a lifetime, receiving self-definition from our own thoughts, from the message of the world around us, perhaps even the loud voice of pain and injustice that we've endured in our lives, even while bearing the name of Jesus. Too often we let other voices define who we are than the voice of the God who created us. Let me tell you something. There is so much freedom in letting Christ define you. There is so much freedom in letting him set the boundaries. There is so much freedom in receiving heaven's definition for who we are. Um, my mentor and pastor, Steve Fry, he, he likes to say this. Like he thinks that the confusion in, our, in the world today around the topic of identity has to do with the fact that, that in culture today, we believe the lie that identity is something we choose based on our preferences, our desires, even our lusts, and, and the things we enjoy. When in, in, in the kingdom of God, identity is not something we choose. Identity is something we receive. 
If identity was something we choose, we endlessly perform for it. And in whatever room we walk into, we feel insecure if our perceived self-definition is not approved of by the critical mass of people in that room. The beauty of the gospel is it sets us free from others, from our, from others' opinion of ourselves. Because it yokes us to God's definition of ourselves. Our identity, God's definition of us. Here's a nugget of wisdom here. Build your life around God's identity, God's definition of who you are. And your life won't crumble when your assignment changes or your calling, your life your life assignment takes on a new form. Because your life will change and the assignments God gives you to do and to accomplish will have a start date and a finish date and they will change. One of the mistakes so many Christians make today is they build their identity around the things they're called to do. The problem with that is the things you do change in different seasons. Build your life around the timeless truth of the word of God and you won't get shook when life starts shaking you. Come on, say amen. amen. How many of you are like, some of, most of you are in your late teens or in early 20s. How many of you have already been shook by life in some way or another? When your, when your location changed and you set foot on a new campus and then there's, a, there's a new student body in front of you. No one knows you. No one knows your first name, your last name, where you came from. Not Your roommate hardly knows your first name, you know, and they don't know about your life with God. They don't know about the fact that you were a leader in your, your youth group. They don't know about the fact how many mission trips you went on. They don't know any of the notches on your, of your Jesus belt, you know. You step into a new campus, no one knows you, and you immediately sense this deficit in your heart because you're faced with the reality that perhaps you've built your self-definition around things you've done rather than the unchanging, timeless truth of God's word about you. Am I making sense here? Build your life around the timeless truth of Scripture, and you won't fall apart when your assignment changes. Another secret here is the evil one will ruthlessly assault our identity because he knows if he can, if he can assault or compromise our identity, he can compromise our purpose. He can compromise. If he can, if he can inform and challenge God's definition about us, he can actually challenge and disrupt God's purpose and assignments for our lives. So many Christians today are obsessed with our calling. Like, Lord, where am I called to go to school? Well, where church am I called to go to? What, you know, when you're, in, when you're in college years, you think in like quarter systems. You know, you're like, Lord, what am I called to do over Thanksgiving? What am I called to do over Christmas break, right? And you're like, Lord, what am I called to do over J-term in spring break, you know? Well, Iowa students are like, I'm so glad I don't have J-term, you know? It's one, more, it's one more thing to stress about what I'm supposed to do, you know? What am I called to do this summer, Lord, am I called to return to this school next year? And then as you age and as you get older in different seasons of life, those, those freak-out moments tend to spread out. Unless you're in YWAM. Then you live perpetually wondering, Lord, what am I supposed to do next, you know? But the truth of the matter is so, so many Christians are obsessed with the question of, God, what am I supposed to do and part of it, our confusion is we've not let God answer the primary question of not what I'm supposed to do, but Lord, who do you say I am? Who am I? 
And I've got a secret for you. Your calling and the assignments that God gives you and the giftings he's put inside of you are to flow out of from your identity. God did not make you to operate from a deficit, a, a, a deficit of not knowing who you are. Because get this, when you don't know who you are, you will leverage what's inside of you to earn a place of significance before others around you. I'm going to say that again. When you don't know who you are, you will leverage the good things that God's put inside of you in order to earn a place of self-significance the, among the people around you. This is the dysfunction of the place called church, of the community called church. When we do not know who we are, we build cultures that are marked by competition, comparison, judging one another against another. And then we just, we just kind of sprinkle a little Jesus on it and a little bit of Holy Spirit on it, and we dress it up. And so what that can look like, you know, in a more charismatic environment, as many of us were confessing and repenting of yesterday, is we even now, we get activated in the things of the Spirit, like prophecy and prayer and healing and these, these exciting now things of the kingdom. And we realize, oh, I can, I can use... This, these dynamic gifts and manifestations of the Spirit to earn a place of self-significance and a place of belonging in, in, in this community that God's placed me in. And if we're not careful, we're, we're, we're walking down a road of destruction. If, because your gifts were never meant to, to give you, to assign you a place of significance or... or, or um, yeah, a place of significance. They were only made to be, they were made to be expressed from the abundance of a heart that's been rooted in the truth of God's word about who you are. Jesus models this best. Let's look in Matthew chapter 3. Now, this is a scripture that I have preached on many, many different ways, you know, over the years, hundreds of times. And in fact, if you've been with me, you know, at one of the gatherings here at Kingdom Life Church over the last number of years, you've probably even seen me point to this scripture on more than one occasion. So I kind of feel like a broken record, but I also realize there's a lot of people in the room who've not been in a meeting with me, and so, so we recognize that, and, and for those of us who have visited the scripture many times over, God, open our eyes afresh in Jesus' name. Matthew chapter 3, of course, Jesus is being baptized in the Jordan. We'll start, we'll pick up, jump right midway through in verse 16. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. We're going to keep going. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. And we're going to stop there midway through because you can read the rest on your own. It's a powerful passage there. I said earlier today in, 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 in the message, the evil one will assault our identity because he knows if he can compromise our identity, he can compromise our purpose. He can compromise our calling. He can compromise the assignments that God gives us 
to do. I find it fascinating that Jesus has this encounter at the beginning of his ministry. Before he called one disciple, before he preached one sermon, healed one leper, raised one dead person, or interrupted one funeral. Before any of those supernatural works, he went into the waters of baptism. And when he came out, he heard the voice of his father. And the voice of his father, the voice of the father was not obsessed with his assignment and his calling to go to the cross, to pay for the sins of humanity. The voice of the father wasn't prophetically speaking over him, his future and the assignment that he was to accomplish on earth. The voice of the father was affirming not his purpose and his call, but his identity. You are my beloved son, and I'm pleased with you. The picture of the God community is that the father is totally pleased with his son, even before his son has done anything cool for him. Y'all don't get this yet. You realize that in Christ, because of Jesus, the father over you is already filled with pleasure over you because of what Jesus has done well before you've done anything cool for him. Jesus had the bliss, the joy of entering into full-time ministry, that is accomplishing his assignment with nothing to prove, with no one to impress, fearing no man, because he wasn't living for the praise and the, the affirmation of every room he walked into. He wasn't, he wasn't, his mind wasn't filled with his Instagram feed that endlessly confused him about the significance of his life in comparison to others. He was fixed on these words. This is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. You know what this means? This means that when he began to call the 12, when he began to heal the sick, when he began to cast out demons, as exhilarating as I'm sure all of those exciting things were, they never occupied a place of significance in his heart before the Father. Am I making sense here? He, 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 he received from the Father this, this sense of affirmation. And his ministry was an expression and an overflow of that affirmation from, of the Father. And, and it never got polluted. It never got twisted. So often we use the great things God has placed inside of us to do. And we, and we do them in order to earn a place of self-significance and self-respect things that we're supposed to receive from above because of the gospel. Then we look at Satan's temptation, and just like his first words in the Old Testament, did God really say you weren't supposed to eat of this tree? His first words in the New Testament sound strikingly similar, and he says, if you are the son of God, prove it. I find it fascinating that the first scheme of Satan against the Jesus, the son of God, was to get him to begin to operate in a spirit of performance. The first scheme of Satan against Jesus, the Son of God, was to get to operate him in a spirit of performance. If you're the Son of God, prove it. If you're the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. In other words, use your power in a way that God the Father has not called you and designed you to use your power. He tried to trip him up and, and pollute the use of power. How many of you know all of our pain and all of our dysfunction comes when pe people in our lives abuse their power in our lives? The first scheme of the evil one was to, to, to get Jesus, the Son of God, 
to misuse the, the power of God entrusted to him. This is actually mind-blowingly profound. The Satan attempted to bait Jesus into abusing his power. The thing, that the, 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 the trap that we fall prey to when we don't know who we are. Okay, little story time. All right, Satan loves to assault our identity in every season of life. You know, I'm this guy who, like, writes this book on identity. And, uh, and if I'm honest, I, I'd say this. The year of producing this, releasing it, the year prior to, to that, I was put through a crazy test where I, I had to overcome what felt like deep insecurities on the topic of my identity. It was like the Lord was saying, son, you're going to have to live this message yourself. It was like the Lord saying, okay, it's cool. You think you know this? Great. Let's learn a little bit more. It's like, it was like God saying, you know, I'm not giving you a freedom to preach a message that you don't live in a deep and profound way. And I began to experience feelings of insecurity and insignificance. God, what is, and what, does what, am I, what I'm doing even matter? Has it made an impact? I began calling into question the different seasons of life in my ministry where, you know, the, the evil one will do this in a, in a time of, of lull and he'll assault your identity and then he'll challenge your accomplishments and he'll say, did, did those things even matter? Did they even leave a lasting impact? And, it, it, and if you're not guarded and if you're not anchored in the truth about who you are, you fall prey to that. You begin to reinterpret your life with God. And you begin to grow bitter and you begin to shake your fist at God in private. And the evil one was tempting me through this again and again and again. And I had to overcome. I had to lean into the scripture. I had to lean into prayer. I had to remind myself of who God says I am. I had to return and pray the scripture and write the scripture and, and confess my failings. I had to sing the word. I had to shout the word. I had to rehearse my life with God. It's like I was in this battle for months and months on end. My journal was full of me rehearsing my life with God, saying, no, this is good history. This is rich history. I am loved by God. He is faithful. I know who I am. It was like this, this endless, like almost incessant war. I've got, good, I've got news for you. Spiritual warfare is not something you do. It's a reality into which you are born. It's not a sporting activity that has a start time and a stop time. It's the reality into which you were born as a believer. And there is no reprieve on this side of eternity. The only reprieve is Jesus. Remain in him. Be rested so that you can make war. Am I making sense here? So one of the assignments the Lord called me to do pretty soon after producing this resource was really at the same time was to actually produce an e-course on a personal evangelism. And honestly, when the Lord asked me to do this, I started feeling really insecure. Like, Lord, I'm not the great, great evangelist, Lord, you know, that people say I am, that you say I am, you know. And I, and I compare. You know what comparison looks like in our generation on the topic of evangelism? It's not looking at Billy Graham crusades. It's looking at stinking Todd White videos, you know. <laughs> You're like, Lord, when I go to Chipotle, I order a burrito bowl. When Todd White goes to Chipotle, five people get healed. <laughs> I know it's happened. I've been to Chipotle with Todd White. Five people got healed, you know. <laughs> Took him 30 minutes to come to the table. I'm like, bro, like, what do you do? When do you eat your lunch and wait 
do you eat your lunch and wait for Todd White to come to the table to pray and eat with you? Or, or do, what do you do? I was, I've experienced the conflict of Todd White, you know, you know, coming to the, you know where they steam the tortillas, you know? By the way, no Mexican has ever esteemed a tortilla like this in their life. They steam the tortillas at, at Chipotle. Here I am. Todd White's in front of me. He's like, this tortilla guy's like, what would you like, sir? And he's like, hey, man, God loves you, man. You know? Is that a good one? Is that a good one? He's like, he's like hey, man, God loves you, man. We're, we're, in C- we're in like the Seattle area of Washington. The dude behind the thing's like, uh, Okay. And he places his order, and he's like, hey, man, you got a headache right now? The guy's like, uh, yeah. And he's like, no worries. Father, in Jesus' name, I speak healing right now to the tortilla man, right now. And then the guy's like, Todd's like, how does it feel, man? He's like, actually amazing. And the guy's like, God, Jesus loves you, man. The next person's like, so do you want re- uh, black beans or pinto beans, you know? Todd's like, hey, man, God loves you. And he's, Todd's like, he's like, you get neck pain, don't you? And it leads to like migraines, right? And the guy's like, yeah. And Todd's like, it happened in a, in a soccer game, didn't it? You got a soccer injury. And the dude's like, I've never played soccer in my life. Todd White's like, doesn't matter. It Father in Jesus' name. Homeboy, and then the bean boy gets healed right then and there. So the tortilla guy, now the frijole guy get healed. The next person, like, what kind of meat do you want? Father Todd, like, God loves you, man. <laughs> well, I'm the next dude after Todd. And I come in. Dude looks at me, looks at Todd. He's kind of like, we're kind of like the same height, you know? So it's kind of like, he looks at me, looks at Todd. He's like, how can I help you? And I'm like, um, I'll have a chicken burrito bowl with black beans, you know, no cheese, no sour cream, you know? And I'm like that dude, like... So in our generation, God calls me, and he says, and he, he calls me to the assignment of developing an e-course to train people in sharing the gospel and moving in the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, because all of our systems are training, you know, that are hip today are designed for people who have full-time opportunity. And I'm like, we're training 90, 90-something percent of Christians through training schools. What about the other five, 2 to 5 percent? Or 95, 97, 98 percent? I'm like, can I create an e-course that can train more people, you know. That was the idea, but I was like deep in security, you know. And you know what, you know what I had to return to? I didn't, I didn't return to all these prophetic words about me being an evangelist. You know what I returned to? I returned to the scripture. I returned to 2 Corinthians 5.20. For you are Christ's ambassador, as though God is pleading through you to be reconciled to God. It's like I began to dwell on the truth of my ambassadorship. You know what an ambassador is? It's the highest ranking diplomat of a nation in a foreign land. And God says over me, in his word, not because some great prophet said it, but in his word. Sean Bowles could have told me it and told me my zip code, my address, my phone number, my bank account number. And it doesn't have more authority than this. This, the prophetic word says, I am Christ's ambassador. I am, I am heaven's highest ranking diplomat on earth. And I'm made to represent an eternal kingdom that cannot be shaken. I'm made to demonstrate what the culture of the kingdom of heaven is like. And when God called me to an assignment, 
that challenged my identity deficit. I didn't run to the latest prophetic words that encouraged me. I I ran to the prophetic word on which I'm supposed to build my life. Say amen, someone. So we developed this e-course, right? Video teaching. Some of you all were a part of that and, you know, bless that process. I really appreciate that. And you fast forward another season and all of a sudden I stepped into this God swirl of activity. To activity. When you say yes to take steps with God and obey the voice of the Spirit within you, you never know what's on the other end. It's like a domino effect where he begins to lead you down a road that you never thought was possible. And my heart started beginning to burn for the high schools and the college campuses in the greater Nashville area. At this point, I wasn't actively serving in Nashville where we had moved a year and a half prior, but I knew God was beginning to invite me and call me to to see a new student movement, a new student gospel movement ignited in our region. So I began to pray into this. And then all of a sudden, um, the swirl started to come, and a prophet dude in in our community comes to me, and he says, Adam, he's like, I got a word for you. He says, the Lord wants to give you a new 22. And I'm like, man, I don't even like guns, you know. (laughs) I grew up in California. I associate guns with gang violence, you know, and so... And the guy's like, it's not about a gun. He's like, it's actually new 20 to 22-year-olds who God's going to call alongside of you to team with you to reach high school and college students in our region. And I'm like, I need that. That's a word of the Lord. God, give me a new 22. A couple of weeks later, we receive an email from one of our friends, one of our prayer friends with the Franklin Prayer House, Karen Hall. She sends us an email and she says, uh, I had a dream about you guys. So I'm not sure if it's from God, but here, here it goes. And she shares this dream. It was so from the Lord, you know. Some dreams are bad pizza. This dream was from heaven, you know. And she says, in the dream, my wife was talking to her. My wife was talking about this student movement that's beginning. And then Jenny goes from talking to just to prophesying. My wife, and Jenny begins to prophesy, and here's what she said in the dream. She says, and every campus in Williamson County is open to us. That's the county in which we live. Then the presence that God fills the dream, and they look up into the sky, and there's writing in the sky that says, the time is now. I internalize that. That's the word of the Lord. Every campus in Williamson County is open to me, and the time is now. Uh, God's going to give me a new 22. I didn't even have a team yet that wanted to reach high school and college campuses around me. It was just me in a burning heart with the word of the Lord, a desire to see God's kingdom come to young people in, in our region. I had a church behind my family behind me, cheering me on, but there was no one really gathered unto that cause yet around me. A couple weeks later, a couple, a month, about a month later, I'm speaking at a conference in our region. There was at, the, at the conference, there were about 80 college students from eight different universities around the state of Tennessee. And I was going to do two sessions on evangelism, two sessions from my e-course. And I felt like God told me, take, take careful watch, because this weekend I'm going to give you your new 22. So I did my two trainings on evangelism. I did my Todd White impersonation. Everyone loved it. God loves you, man. You know, like. <coughs> <coughs> Corona, sorry. <coughs> Shh. 
Okay, um, right. <laughs> and at the end of my two sessions, I sat down in the foyer, and these young people come to me, a 20-year-old, a 21-year-old, and they happen to be two of the most influential, like, young Christian leaders in the greater Nashville area. And they sit down. They said, Adam, the whole time you were talking, our hearts were burning. We feel like God is speaking to us. We're supposed to partner with you. We're supposed to come up. We want to partner with you and team with you to reach this generation in, in our region. And I'm listening going, this is my new 22. And one of the young men looks me in the eye and he says, I'm thinking about relaunching this, this ministry, but I think I need help. He said, would you like be the dad, the dad of the student movement? So this young 20-year-old 20, 20 looking at this older leader, <laughs> and he's saying, will you be like the dad of the student movement? My first thought was, oh, so you think I'm old. <laughs> My second thought was, yes, because God said, God said every campus in Williamson County is open to us. So we formed a team right then and there, and these guys got crazy. I began to jump them into my uh, Gospel Encounters e-course. They began learning. I began discipling them on the topic of evangelism. I didn't, when I created the course, I did not envision the domino effect and how God would use it to begin to reach young people in our very region. So you have no idea how God wants to use your yes when the Holy Spirit whispers you and gives you a God assignment. And when Satan rages and challenges your significance, don't run to your prophetic words. Run to the prophetic word. Gird yourself here so that you can take action in the things that God is calling you to do. So, I be, so they jumped into my e-course, and we unpack this concept in the e-course about what it means about, about ministering through people of peace. In Luke chapter 10, when Jesus sends out the apostles, he told them, go into every village, find this person of peace. Person of peace, people define it as someone who's like a bridge that's prepared by God to be receptive to a gospel messenger. They don't even have to be a Christian. They just have to be open to the gospel messenger. And if they're open to a gospel messenger, that messenger can affect their com the, the community that's behind the person of peace. They can preach the gospel and heal the sick and see a greater number of people impacted with the power and the, the, the truth of God and the kingdom of God because of the person of peace. We unpack this in the course and these young men says, I th we think that we found a person of peace. I'm like, what are you talking about? And they said this. They said, well, we heard of this trend that's happening in our county. And, and I said, tell me about it. They said, well, people are going to raves, like in the hundreds. And I'm like, raves? They're like, yeah, actually in our county, some two, two high school kids borrowed money from their dad, a few thousand dollars. And they, what, they started a business. They rented a venue, a lighting system. They booked a DJ. And they, they, they hired an aspiring artist, which is not hard to do in Nashville. And they did online ticket sales, and 400 kids showed up. Well, we all know what kind of stuff happens at raves, right? So it's not like this godly environment. But my, my young friends who I'm coaching and training began to say, what if these guys are sons of peace? What if God wants to use them as a bridge to their generation? And I said, well, what do you have in mind? They said this. Well, we found out where they live. <laughs> and I'm like, one, that's creepy. Two, I love it. <laughs> what do you intend to do? They're like, well, we had just had the thought that we'd like show up at their house and like befriend them and love on them and minister to them. And I'm like, let's do it. 
We began to pray, kind of get God's wisdom, got to get a download on these kids. All of a sudden, the two young guys who I'm mentoring show up at the house of, of one of the business owners. He's a junior in high school. These are college kids at their house, new, new, my new 22. They befriend these kids. And for the next two months, they met with them every week. It was this God relationship where these kids were the party kids who had an intellectual faith in Christ, but they knew they were not surrendered to God. You know, these party kids who just want to live their own life unsurrendered to Jesus. These hell-bound kids for all intents and purposes. My guys began discipling them, you know, unto the point of conversion. They weren't saved yet. They weren't converted yet. But they started teaching them the way of Jesus. The Holy Spirit started ministering to them through my young friends, through prophetic words, through the, the presence of the Holy Spirit, through the ministry of the Spirit's conviction falling on their hearts. As they begin questioning now their life decisions, like if this is who God is, I'm in trouble because I'm not living aligned to who God is. The re revelation began to hit their heart. And in course of time, we, we pitched these young business leaders. They said, we want to partner with you on your next rave. And they said, well, what do you have in mind? They say, We'll bring you 50 paying customers, but you give us the mic at the end of the rave for 20 minutes. And we get to preach Jesus. And we're calling your generation to repent and believe the gospel. These young business owners go, oh, let us think about that. They had a couple business meetings. They came back to us. They said, it's on. How cool is this, right? How cool. Now I'm like, it's on. We got to prepare for a harvest. God said every, every school in Williamson County is open to us. We began preparing, began praying, preparing follow-up system. How do you follow up with kids? You know, I, I, I proposed the idea, what if 200 kids get saved? And that what if they're from 10 different schools across two or three different counties? What's going to happen? How are we going to follow up with these people and journey them into communities where they can grow and be discipled? We began planning this out, and all of a sudden, my young, my young team members, they get called into a meeting with an organization in downtown Nashville called Rocket Town. It's a venue that Michael W. Smith, some of you may have heard of him, you know, his people founded some years ago to reach young people throughout the region. Massive venue, massive skate park, coffee shop. They sit our team down, and they said, we've heard about what you guys are doing. There's another ministry in Kentucky, a rave ministry that's been wanting to come to Nashville. And, and we've heard about your story and what God's doing. Can we partner together? Here's what they said. If you bring your ray from Franklin, from Williamson County into downtown Nashville, we'll give you the building. We'll pay for the employees. We'll pay for the police officers to attend. We'll, we'll, we'll man it. You keep all the proceeds. We just want to partner with you to accomplish the thing that God's called you to do. And, and we'll promote it to our whole database all throughout the greater Nashville area. They're like, would you pray about this? We're like, um, yes, amen, we're in. <laughs> so we moved our rave to downtown Nashville. Get this, first week of November, last week of October. We're sweating bullets. Are they going to show up? What is God going to do? You know, you just take these steps. You just hear and obey the voice of God. You don't know how God's going to use your yes. 1,000 kids bought tickets and showed up and walked through the doors. 1,000 kids. One of the young men who stood to preach the gospel was one of the young men who I've been coaching and mentoring and training. And all of a sudden, all my wrestle about, well, I'm not Todd White, I'm not Reinhard Bonnke, all of that got flushed down the toilet. 
I don't care. I don't need to be in either one of those dudes. I'm a son of God. I'm an ambassador of Jesus. There was a clear call at the end of the rave to repent and believe the gospel, the good news that Jesus Christ is God, that he went to the cross after living a perfect life and the sin and the failure and the pain of humanity was placed on him and it died with him. And an innocent man bled and died so that a wayward humanity could be reconciled into friendship with God. That Jesus was buried That he went into hell and preached to the spirits his ultimate victory. That God, the Father, raised him from the dead. He is not dead, he's alive. He has victory over sin and death and disease. And now he's seated in the heavenly places at the right hand of his Father. Where he invites you and me, all those who would repent and believe on him. At the sound of that gospel message, 400 young people said yes to Jesus. What do you do? What do you do when you got 400 and you're just a team of a bunch of just young people and one old guy, you know? (laughs) What do you do? It's like, man, we're not not even youth pastors. We're not even, we don't even all go to the same church. It's just the kingdom of God working together. Isn't that beautiful? So what did we do? We, We just used the tools at our disposal. We created a text in. Everyone who came to the altar, we said, if you got saved today, Text the name Jesus to 33777, and we want to keep in contact with you. And the first thing they get after saying congratulations, your life will never be the same, is an invitation to the next gathering. The next gathering was an encounter gathering. We launched a ministry called Wilco United, Williamson County, Wilco United. We wanted to unite every high school campus in our county after rival football games to gather in worship and prayer for revival on our high school campuses across our county. And we're going to do it after a rival football game. So it's not going to start till 10 p.m. And you're like, wait, what? And it's going to be on a Friday night. Well, we're believing God's in this vision. So we invited him to Wilco because, you know, like in the Bible Belt in Nashville where you have great music and performing oriented, performance-oriented church, but we're true worship in the presence of God is something of an anomaly. It's a novelty. So we said if we can get them to respond to the gospel and then place them in an encounter with Jesus... Then we can befriend them there and begin to journey them into local churches. So a week after the rave, after 400 said yes to Jesus, um, we held our first Wilco United event. But for the next number of days, they, they, um, they start receiving this, this text thread of two-minute Discipleship Truth videos where I took my young guys that I've trained and we, we produced 11 two-minute videos that get stri- sent straight to everyone's phone that call them further into the discipleship journey with Jesus. So we're using our tools. We're using what's, what's in our hand to, to, to feed the masses, you know. And uh, first Wilco United event, just six days after the first rave, and 400 kids show up at 10 p.m. <laughs> These are high school kids. This isn't college kids like, you know, I just, oh, I just woke up at 8 p.m., so I'm going to go down to the worship place at 10 p.m. These are high school kids. Moms are dropping their kids off at 10 p.m. What time does it end? The kid's like, I don't know. 
began to worship the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord falls. I got to give the gospel. Another 200 say yes to Jesus. In a three-month period, we saw 800 young people come to faith in Christ between beginning of November, end of January. Every campus in Williamson County is open to us. We call together a team of leaders, handpicked sons and daughters of peace from almost every campus in our county. We said, we'll begin mentoring you, discipling you. We're going to lead you on a new identity journey. We're going to learn who you are in Christ. God wants to use you in your generation. We meet with them several times a month, pour into them. As I'm pouring into college students, college students are pouring into high school students. We did a second rave. Hundreds of kids get saved. A second Wilco United, 500 show up. There's people running to the altar to repent and get free. It's like we find ourselves in the middle of this, this new student movement. And it's like, is ministry supposed to be this easy as how it feels? It's like, I'm shaking the apple tree. I'm getting hit with all these apples that are all this harvest. And I'm like, Lord... This is it. I'm living in this, this, the first wave of this new student movement. And I remembered the year before when I was questioning my God assignment. Am I qualified for that? Can I do that? Who's going to do the e-course? Lord, they can just pull up a YouTube video. Why are they going to want to pay for an e-course with someone they, like me? You never know the domino effect that occurs for the kingdom of heaven when you say yes to take a step with Jesus. What? Two questions. Who does God say you are? And what is God asking you to do? Who does God say you are? Get grounded in the reality of your identity. Feast on this friend. There's not a prophetic word that can satisfy the ache in the heart of a son or a daughter. You have a scripture-shaped ache that only the authoritative voice of God can satisfy. And every other prophetic word is meant to, com to complement what you've already been feasting on here. I, I love the, I'm not down on the prophetic. I love the prophetic. You know what? When the prophet said a new 22 and the dream said every campus in Williams County, the time is now. I internalize those things. But I'm an evangelist. I, I'm like, an evangelist says, don't tell me three months and then the harvest. I'd say to you, lift up your eyes right now and look. For the fields are ripe and ready for harvesting. That's the heart of the evangelist. But the voice of a prophet comes along and it helps the evangelist, the builder, if you will, discern where I'm supposed to, what, where, what soil I'm supposed to strike with my, with my plow. And it, 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 it's the wisdom of God, the, the revelation of God that's helping align you to what God is already doing. I love what Henry Blackaby said. He's like, it's the burden of every Christian in every generation to find out what God is doing and to join him. Who are you? What is God calling you to do? What is God doing around you? Join him. You know what, this coronavirus thing here in Grant County, I had this idea. There's a lot of young people in this county because of a few schools. There's about to be an evacuation of young people in this county because of a few schools. I don't know how soon that's all going to happen, but I do know this. There's also a lot of people in that vulnerable window of, by virtue of their age, 
according to science, they're more vulnerable to the virus that's breaking forth across the land. What if you mobilized, Kingdom Life, what if Kingdom Life Church mobilized to identify and to knock on the doors of people in a, that vulnerable age window and ask, and, and ask them, can we help you with your grocery shopping over the next month? We'll go for you. I might not have money because I'm a college student, but I can get to Walmart. I'm not saying that's a thus say to the Lord. I'm saying that might be a God idea. Lots of people are populating Facebook feeds right now asking if anyone needs help. And I think it's beautiful. But what if you could do more than, writing a, than write a post? What if you could mobilize in, in an apostolic way to discern what God is doing? Not just to be intimidated by the virus, but to discern what might be God doing in the context of this shaking. And say, how can I mobilize to serve what God is doing? You say, I'm not good with old people. I'm not gifted with senior citizen ministry. I'm not talking about your gifting. I'm talking about your identity. Will you be the people of God? Am I, am I making sense here? You know, it's like, what if you could mobilize in a more strategic, administrative way? And I don't know what it is, knocking doors, get a list from the city or the county. And, 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 do, and do outreach. Ooh, that might be a God idea. <clears throat> Are we doing okay? Yeah. Here's my assignment tonight. My assignment tonight was to call you into the tension of build your life on what this says about you. Number two, ask the Holy Spirit, what am I supposed to do? Know that your doing, your assignment will change in every season. And in the hour of corona, your assignment might, be, might involve mobilizing to discern and to align to what God might be doing right where you're at in this moment. <clears throat> in Nashville, just a week ago, two weeks, uh, a week ago, we had a horrible tornadoes touchdown in our city. From downtown, they went 50 miles east and just plowed. Lives lost, houses, businesses lost. It was a terrible scene. The night before, Leo came into our room crying, shook. What's wrong, son? I had, I had a dream. What was the dream, son? A tornado came through. The night before. And it was like God was saying, my heart is to do so. I know this is coming, and I want to do something, even in the midst of this moment of crisis. And if a little four-year-old can receive from the Spirit of God, how much more can a church receive from the Spirit of God? And, and, and over the next number of days, as the tornado hit, after the, in the wake of it, the church mobilized. Some of our friends, some Friends in our church lead a ministry called Hope Force International. They, were, they, they used to give direction to a ministry that some of y'all might have heard of called Mercy Ships. Um, if you ever heard the name of Keith Green, you know, one of the great radical prophetic Christian artists, um, um, you know, who helped in the, at the founding stages of ministry that y'all are very, very personally familiar with. 
And Jack and our friends Jack and Sherry Minton used to give direction, help give direction to mercy ships. And they found another relief organization. And they mobilized thousands or hundreds probably of believers from all around the area and other Crisis Response International, other ministries and churches responded. The Church of Nashville mobilized. And the first, some of the first clean-up teams was the church in our region responding to the moment of crisis, not intimidated by what the evil one's doing, but looking to align to what God's doing and partnering with that. What will you do in the moment of crisis that's hit every place in the nations of the earth? Worship team, will you come up, please? I want to begin to land this thing. I have paid no attention to the clock. Some of you are like, you got that right. <laughs> I recognize that I've gone long, but I'm the guest. Number two. Number two, I'm coughing, so anyway. Can we respond to the Lord tonight, y'all? Let's stand together. We're going to respond to the Lord. It's going to be good. <clears throat> I won't probably get to give this reminder afterwards because we're going to have a time of ministry. And so in the way of reminder, you know, get your hands on, our, on the new identity resource and go on a journey, you know. Um, we created resources so that moments like this can turn into God movements in your life. And weekend moments are good, but going on a journey with the Holy Spirit is much better. So take a journey. If you're interested as well in the Gospel Encounters e-course, come see me. I'll give you a promo code and you can get a discount. And then um, jump on the Gospel Encounters podcast and get lit for what God's doing in our generation. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we stand in your presence. And Lord, we just want to offer our hearts and respond to this word tonight. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord. Lord, I know that there's friends in the room who have a sense of a deficit over their minds and their hearts when it comes to the question of identity. And we're prone to performance. We're prone to abusing power even in our lives in order to earn a sense of significance before you. And and if you're here and you're like, man, I just have lived in that performance trap and I I've, I've, have misused power in order to earn a sense of self-significance. And, and if you feel like the Lord's inviting you to take steps into um, cultivating a, the revelation of who you are, your identity, and, and seeing that grounded in the timeless truth of God's word, I want to pray for you, God's grace over you. So just throw your hand in the air if that's you. Just leave your hand up, Ren. Lord, here we are. Lord, for hands raised in this room tonight, I pray, God, for supernatural grace to flood every heart here today in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray that you would strike them in a, in a special way in this moment. 
with that kind of unyielding, abiding revelation. Lord, that the evil one hates them. He seeks to compromise who they are in order to compromise what they're called to do. And Lord, let that truth abide on their heart so that they would never misinterpret your leadership and be confused about your goodness and your faithfulness. They would always see rightly when they're challenged in their mind and in their thinking about their significance and their value. I pray right now, Lord, that grace from heaven would fall on every heart. Grace from heaven would fall, Lord. Oh, Lord, in Jesus' name, God, make your word, the scriptures, like a fire in our hearts in this season. Lord, in the hour where, where, where all around the nations of the earth are questioning what's going on and who, who is responsible for this and how do we respond, I pray for this room that the people of God, with hands raised, would be grounded in this moment of shaking. They'd be grounded in the timeless, unchanging truth of God's word about them. Oh, in the name of Jesus, let them start a journey of discovery and revelation in the, in the scripture about who they are. I bless you right now to walk this journey out with God and to open yourself to the scripture like never before. And as God begins to assign definition to your life in a new and fresh way, I bless you in Jesus' name. You can put your hand down right now. One more moment here. One more moment here. Thank you, Lord. I feel like there, there are some in this room who have already heard the voice of God for assignments and God ideas. And you have been in that same faith wrestle that I was in where you've questioned your ability, you've questioned why, you've questioned, can I do that? You question, am I qualified? And that questioning, that deep questioning has led to inaction. And if you're here and, and you're like, just as a sign of repentance, like, I want to break free of inaction. I know God has spoken to me, and I want to break free of my inaction on one of the assignments he's given me. If that's you, I want to invite you to just step forward this evening come and stand before the Lord. It's kind of as an act of, Lord, I'm going to break inaction off of my life. I've, I know that I've heard your voice. I know that I've received some God ideas, big or small, and I want to break inaction. And in worship tonight, as we respond to the Lord, I want to encourage, if that's you, come forward in the place of worship as an act of surrender and repentance. Let's respond to the Lord in worship now, and you can come forward as the Holy Spirit leads you. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord.